Well, Happy New Year. I'm the first one to get to say that. From 2018 to 2019. Um, I just wanted to ditto the prophetic encouragement. My wife and I had the opportunity years ago, probably about three or four years ago, to uh, go to a conference. And when we went to the conference, they give prophetic words. And I'm like, all right, I'll go to the scene, you know. Forgive me, Lord. I'll get my palm read. Um, you know, it was, you go and you sit down and you have somebody read, you know, or give you a word. And uh, God changed my heart. They read me like a book. I cried like a baby through the whole thing because I could not believe that the Spirit of God moves in such a way. So I really want to encourage you to be one of the first eight to sign up for that. It will change your life forever if you go get the Word of God on your life because then you'll know he reads you like a book, and he actually know, you will actually know that he knows what's going on in your life. So I just want to give you that encouragement. Um, Holly's word was amazing uh, that she brought. I, I'm just, I write them down, so am I echoing? I hear an echo. Is that me? Do I need to do something? I just, I'm just so strong. Um, Holly's word said, look straight at the enemy and begin to march right at the enemy. We walk right through this army. We walk forward as a child of God, and we watch our enemies fall. And that's so cool, because that's exactly the word that God gave for me for today, back in September 2nd. Um, it's, it's really cool to see how God works. You know, uh, my main theme today is God has put power back in our hands. It's the year of restoration. It's the year of restitution. Chris Vallotton uh, just did a brilliant talk, or br brilliant teaching on, um, and I'd encourage you to listen to it, on IQ, EQ, and SQ. Now, we all know what IQ is, and I wrote it down so I say it right. IQ is intelligence, the intelligent quotient. It's used to determine academic abilities and identify individuals with off-the-chart off minds or mental challenges. So IQ actually says it puts you in your intelligent quotient. Your EQ is your emotional quotient. And that's used a lot of times in business nowadays to find out where you are as a leader. It's to find out um, how you work within groups, how you function around other people. And that's really used nowadays a lot to figure out, is, even though this person's good over here, maybe they should be placed with this group over here and you'll get more performance out of them. But then there's a new thing that Chris talked about called the SQ, and that's the spiritual quotient. And the spiritual quotient is an indicator of our spiritual connection with the Holy Spirit, our direct access to the thoughts and mind of God. And he put it in this perspective. It's kind of like the Internet and kind of like the cloud. If you're, if you're connected within the spirit realm with the Holy Spirit, you're connected directly into the heart of God. As you seek the Holy Spirit, you learn more about God. But our minds are finite. And so we can only hold so much in our minds, just like my phone can only hold so much. But I keep buying extra storage in the cloud so I can store more in the cloud so that I can recall on that when I'm needed. And that's how the Holy Spirit works. Our minds are finite, but when we get in a place where we need God, we, he, he delivers it from the cloud and enters it into our mind through the Holy Spirit. And so I want to pray with that this morning because I want the mind of the Holy Spirit to move through me today. Yeah. If there's a course correction, I want him to do it. I don't want to just do what I have in mind. I want to do what he has in mind. So if you pray with me, that'd be great. Father, you know I love you. As Peter said, Lord, you know I love you. Lord, you know I love you. We love you this morning. And God, we just want to hear from your throne room. We don't want to hear from man. We don't want a great show up here. But Lord, we want to hear from your throne room. Holy Spirit, you are more than welcome to change in any way the course of this, this teaching. Lord, we're just, I'm asking you to speak through me in, in my words, in my actions. Lord, you do what you want to do this morning. And you be who you want to be this morning through me. In the name of Jesus, amen. amen. Well, what's really cool is that yesterday morning, um, I had the opportunity to come up here and pray, which you all have the opportunity, but it was John Block and myself. And we got, a, it's an hour of prayer time. It's from 8 o'clock to 9 o'clock. 
on Wednesdays it's 6.30 to 7.30, and on Sunday mornings it's 8.30 and 9.30. I had to put a plug. But I came up here at 8 o'clock, and John and I talked and prayed for an hour. Well, we talked for 45 minutes and prayed for 15. But John reminded me, which I knew, that it was this time last year on the 31st of December that I had the opportunity to preach again. And does anybody remember the word that I spoke about on the 31st of December last year? Acceleration. Acceleration. Is there anybody here that God has accelerated their life this year? Excellent. Because he's accelerated mine. He's He's given me opportunities I never thought I would have. I'm, I'm, I'm having opportunities to meet very influential people in the St. Louis region. Um, he's taken me from one title, and I'm wondering what that next thing is I do. Um, I was in business this time last year. I'm still in business. I still own a company. But some brilliant mind now runs my job. Yeah. Yes, he does. <laughs> <laughs> and he's taken it beyond a measure that I could. But God has accelerated us so much this year. Um, I was just thinking about the church itself as, as I was thinking about this. And who is here this year in 2018 who was not here in 2017, just visiting or whatever? If you just pop your hand up. I'm not going to make you stand up. See all the people. We have so many visitors this year and so many new guests and so many people that say, this is my family. This is where I want to join. God is accelerating the church. And even within that, we have a lot of people gone this week. We had an awesome, awesome impact time led by Luke Tanner in July. And it changed the way we think of the Holy Spirit and the way we act and we move. It was an awesome time. Many people, many people were touched in the Holy Spirit. I know I was. I was pinned on that floor for two hours right here. God accelerated so much. And even SOAR that we just talked about. SOAR is a class that you go through and you learn about your gifting and how to utilize those giftings within the kingdom of God. And I would encourage you, even if you haven't been involved, to be involved. There's another plug for you, Luke. (laughs) 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 Woohoo! Bueno. Did you say bueno? But anyway, God is on the move, and he's really accelerating what we're doing. And coming out of 2018, you say, okay, does he put the brakes on? No, God goes from glory to glory to glory to glory, and he's just going to accelerate the pace of what he's doing in this earth. So 2019, what's God going to do? Well, I asked him, and on September 2nd, he gave it to me. But I'll tell you about that in a second, because on March, this past year, on March 11th, I got a chance to preach. Sorry, that day is just a little emotional to me. <clears throat> but um, I, I just lost two friends uh, on March 11th, two, four years ago. Um, but I got a chance to preach, and I preached on the four Ps of God. His plan, the problem that came in within that plan, not his problem, but the, plan, the problem that came in, the payment that was made, and the purpose. And I just want to review that for a sec, because that really leads me into where I want to talk about today. And God's original plan was this. We all know Genesis 1, that God created the heavens and the earth. And the Spirit was hovering at that time over the earth. And it's just waiting. And God said, he had a thought. And he said, I want to create Eden on earth as it is in heaven. And so he thought it, then he said it through, through, through his word. And then the Spirit said, I get to move now. And boom, he started creating. And he separated the heavens from the earth. And then they started creating the earth, and he created everything on it. But by the time he got to verse 26, a cool thing happened. He said, let us make man in our image. In our likeness, let us make him, male and female, let us make them. And he gave them a mandate, and that mandate was to rule and reign over the earth. He was to rule and reign over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and every, over, every living creature that was on the face of the earth. And man did really well with that. He did awesome. And at that time, we know that sin was not in the world because he called that day good. And he called what he made, which was man, he he called it good. And he called it very good, and then he rested. But then in Genesis 2, verse 9, it says that he gave man choice because love always allows choice. If love does, sorry, if choice is not in love, then we call that a dictator. But God gave us choice. And he said in the Garden of Eden, he goes, I give you everything here to eat. But from that tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you cannot eat. For the day that you'll eat it, you're going to surely die. 
And so that was the plan, that from that day forward, that they would walk in the garden together and they would love on each other. And through choice, a problem came into our earth. Sin came by choice. It says in Genesis 1 that Lucifer was in the garden. I don't know what he was doing in the garden. I don't know even how he got in the garden, but he was there. But Lucifer was a being. He was one of the top three angels in heaven. And in heaven, it tells us in Ezekiel and in Isaiah that Lucifer wanted to be like God. He was the chief angel of worship. And at one point, in some way, all of a sudden he decided he wanted to be like God. And God said, you cannot be here now. And so he cast him and a third of the angels to the abyss. But I believe when Lucifer heard the creation of the earth, he said, oh, Eden is now coming to earth. And he sees this happening. And he's like, well, maybe there's a chance. Maybe, maybe God's given me another opportunity. But that wasn't in God's mind. What God's mind was to create man in his image, to worship him all the days of his life. And he created man. And I think Lucifer looked at that, and then he saw man and woman walking along with God, and he got jealous. And so he went up to Eve one day, and he said to Eve, he said, let me ask you a question. And I think he whispered in her ear. He said, how's the garden looking? She said, great. He goes, do you enjoy it? Yes, I do. How's the food? Food's great. Have you tried the apple, banana, disgusting, from from that one tree in the middle? And Eve goes, well, no, 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 no. We're not supposed to eat from that one because God says from that day, if we eat it, we're going to die. And he goes, he goes, really? You think God's going to put something in here that you're going to die? And he, and he goes, well, I think so. I mean, that's what he said. No, God just knows that that day that you eat of that fruit, you're going to be like him. You're going to know the difference between good and evil. So, I don't know. Why would God say that? And all of a sudden, start putting questions in Eve's mind. And all of a sudden, she bit. She bit on the lie. She took a bite of that apple. And the rest is history because sin came into the world. And then she gave it to Adam. And God came down. And he came that day to walk with him. I do believe that that was the worst day in Adam and Eve's life. I believe that was the worst day. They knew they had a good. They knew it was good. They had to walk with God. And that day, they could no longer stand before him. And that day, they were cast out of Eden. And they said the two angels were put at the front of Eden with swords, with fiery swords that no longer could they see that promise which God had for them. And they said, he said to Adam, he said, you will toil all the days of your life at your work. And he said to Eve, he said, you will, be, you, you will bear children in pain. And he says to, the, to Lucifer, you will not be serpent. And you will crawl on the belly all the day of your life. But he looked at Eve. And he says, but don't worry, woman. Don't worry. Because one day out of your seed will come a man that will stomp that serpent's head. And he's got, in, the, in the Greek it says he'll stomp it so hard that he'll bruise his heel. And, it, and God gave Eve a plan and gave God, God gave Eve hope. And so for 4,000 years coming up to the, 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 the turn of B.C. to A.D., the Spirit spoke through single men called prophets and kings. But the Spirit did not speak to all men and women. It spoke to to ones that would progress God's purpose on the earth. And so there was still the plan in place. So the plan has not changed. The plan's still there. There's just a problem. Well, with that problem came uh, uh, commandments along people's lives. And if they broke a commandment, then they would have to sacrifice a lamb. They would have to take something living sacrifice it, kill it, and take the blood and, and make the blood as an atonement for the sin, for the, what that person did wrong. But that still didn't bring them into a direct relationship with God. There was only one thing that can bring them into a direct relationship and bring them back to what they lost, what Adam and Eve lost at that time. And that was a perfect sacrifice of a perfect lamb. And so God created a man like that. 
It says in the Bible, that, or no, it doesn't say in the Bible. I wrote this down. God gave man authority. Adam gave man authority back to God until another man could handle it. And God birthed his son as man to give authority back to man. So how do you get the payment for sin? Well, in Acts 2.38, it says this. It says, Peter replied when he's talking to the crowd that they're begging, how do, we, how do we get this that you have? He says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this is for you and for those that are far off, to everyone who believes. So all you have to do is repent of the way you've been going and be baptized. This is for all of us. This is, for, this is how I know it's for me and not for just those at that time. Because it says it's for you and for all those that are far off. I'm far off. I wasn't there 2,000 years ago. When we're born again, we're now born again into the seed of God. See, God created Adam. But within a virgin, he birthed his son. So Adam was a creation that failed. But a birthed son will never fail. Never fail from God. But God then had to sacrifice his one and only son. That's why it's so important when we say one and only son, because he sacrificed his one and only. I would throw myself in front of a car, but I would not push my daughter. I would jump in front of a car and push her out of the way, but I would not push my daughter in front of a car to save my life. God gave Jesus up for us. It says, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation in 2 Corinthians 5.17. The old is gone and the new has come. We are now new and we're now a new creation. But this is the heart of my message right here. I'm taking a big step. <clears throat> because I think there's something that needs to be better in the church. Many of us stop right here in our walk with God. We say salvation is good enough. I've been saved. Or as a church, let's go save everybody and get them into heaven. Make sure that we save everybody and get them into heaven. It's not what my Bible says my purpose is. We say hope is good enough. I got hope. I know what the future tells me. I know what's going to happen in the future. It's not what my Bible says that I'm supposed to do. Change, my change in character is enough. I used to abuse my wife, but I don't anymore. I used to be a smoker, and I don't anymore. I used to cuss, and I don't anymore. I used to just treat people bad, and I don't anymore. I used to be a womanizer, and I don't anymore. Thank you, Jesus. And that's great, and all these things are great, and they're honestly, they're true, and that's what Jesus came and died for, was for our sin, and build a relationship with us with God, but sometimes we just stand here on the relationship and go, well, at least I have a relationship now with God. And we stop there and we miss our calling. That's what the cross was for. But our purpose was the stone that was rolled away. See, the cross is where he died, where he hung, where his mouth literally swelled up where blood ran down him where every bone in his body and every organ was stretched to pieces as he hung there and he sacrificed himself for us and he had nothing guilty but that's what the debt was that was paid for us but that's not why he came that's one of the reasons but the fulfillment, why he came was this. See, so he went down to Hades after he died on the cross. And he said, I'll take those keys back. The keys that you're holding on hell. He goes, those are mine. It's my opinion that he looked on those of the old covenant in the Old Testament. And he said, Though you have been, you've been judged righteous, right, and you will stay here. But then he looked to the Isaiahs and the Jeremiahs. And all of those, and he says, I unlock the door and I take you up to heaven with me today. And I'm taking you up there. You get to go with me. Why? Because as they pass through Jerusalem, and Ern Baxter would say this, that he says that he believes that he, those saints say, can we just stop off for a little bit and see Jerusalem? We haven't seen it in hundreds of years. 
Because it says in the Bible that they saw the saints of old walk in the streets. And then Jesus says, let's keep going, boys. There's a place we're going. And in Psalm 24, it says this, as they got up to heaven, it says, Lift up your heads, you gates, and be lifted up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And the angels guarded in heaven said, Who is this King of glory? And they say, The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, you gates, lift them up, you ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And they say, who is this king of glory? And they said, the Lord Almighty, he is the king of glory. And they say, come on in. And his father welcomes him. And he says, come on in, son, and sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. And Jesus comes in, and he takes his rightful place. He's a 33-and-a-half-year-old man. He's flesh and blood. And he sits down at the right hand of the father. There's one interceding for us that is just like us. And he sits down at the right hand of the father, and he puts his feet out, and he goes, let's start building this footstool that you tell me about. How are we going to do it? And God said, see the cross? You redeemed all of them. They're going to do it. How are they going to do it? They're going to do it by the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. See, God cast Satan out of heaven. And now that you believe in Jesus, you have the same power. It says in Acts 1.8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you'll be my witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. That doesn't mean we just go evangelize to the ends of the earth. We are a witness to who Jesus is, what he has done, and what we get to do. The job of every believer is this, restoration and restitution. As Holly says, we are to take this enemy on straight on. He thinks he has a weapon, but what he's got is a plastic knife. He's got a little bitty plastic knife, and you got the sword of the spirit. Do you know what the sword of the spirit is? Does anybody? It's your words. It says in Revelation that a sword was coming out. And it was the word of God. It was the sword of the spirit. Your word is the sword of the spirit. It's what you say. It's what you believe. It's, it's Dana coming up here and saying, this is who you say I am. And declaring it. We, 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 we take ground by the word of our mouth. In, in September 2nd, I said God gave me this word. It was on September 2nd, flying back from a Pacific paradise with my wife on our 25th anniversary. And we're watching a movie, it's called Woman in Gold. I'd suggest you go home and see it, it's brilliant. We saw it again the other night. But it's a, about a story, it's a true story, of a painting called The Painting of Adele. And Adele was a woman over in Austria. This is the painting right here, it's more beautiful than what's seen up there. But Adele was a painting that was commissioned by her fiancé for Adele's, and if you just leave it up while I'm talking, that'd be great, um, was commissioned by her fiancé for, her fa for Adele's father on the day of their wedding. And in 1903, he began to write some, uh, Gustav uh, Clement, the, the artist, began to make some sketches. Adele's fiancé said, I love those. And for the next 3D years, he created this painting. And on the day of their... Um, Wedding, he, he commissioned this and gave it to her father and his father-in-law. But in 19, and Adele died in 1927. But in 1941, this was in their home. They're a very wealthy family. It was hanging on the wall. And the Nazis come in and take it. As they did many paintings and many of the artworks and stuff like that, they took it. And they took it away. And then, of course, when World War II ended and the Nazis fell, uh, many things were being restored. In 1948, the Austrian, Austrian government uh, came out with what's called the art restitution policy. So they're going to start trying to get art back into the rightful hands of those who own it. Well, for the next 50 years, I guess it was, 57 years, uh, this painting was hanging in the Belvedere Gallery in Austria. And no one made claim to it, except for 1998, an investigative reporter started looking into the, into the paintings that did not get uh, sent back. And he found that the Adele was still there. Well, the problem with this is the Adele is one of the most, actually it was the most famous painting in all of Austria. So the Austrian government would not give this up. 
But there was a lady, an heir to Adele named Maria Altman. She was the niece of Adele Blackbear. And she began to try and get it back. And she went to the Austrian government and asked for it. And they said, no, you're not getting it. She went to other courts and they said no. So she finally took it to the Supreme Court of the United States. It took her seven years she fought for this. What was rightfully hers. She said, I demand restitution. I demand this painting come back into my family because we own that painting. It was, it was unrightfully stolen from our house. And she got it back. Mind you, that painting sold for $135 million to the Luau Museum. You can see it in New York. And it always has to be on display in 2006. And Marie Altman died in 2011. And God said to me on the plate, as Holly said today, he's not your enemy anymore. I've defeated your enemy. You just have to declare victory. Restitution is demanded of him because he's lost. And we, the lie that he gives the church so much is that we're fighting a battle, but that battle's already been won. Because if we have to fight that battle again, what was Jesus for? What the heck was he for? What was that time in history for if we fight again and we give him any credence to the battle we're fighting? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Do you know in Exodus what it says when you steal something, what your payment is? You pay back double. In Proverbs 6, it says you pay back seven times. He owes me, and he's going to pay. He owes you, and he's going to pay. 2019 is this time that we're to declare victory and declare restitution. No longer do you look at your problem and say, Lord, just please help me get through this. No, I am demanding restitution. You're to give me my kid back. You're to give me my money back. No longer are we supposed to be a church that come begging. We have have the victory. He did it on the cross. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Why do we sit in a begging role when he's given us the victory and everything that we need? He's given us access through the cloud, through the internet of the Holy Spirit to move and act as he has for us to act. I will no longer sit in my seat and sit on my butt and watch this, 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 this news media say that this world is going to hell in a handbasket. I say Jesus is coming again and I say heaven will come to earth as soon as I can rush it on. Because he will have a beautiful bride. He will have a beautiful bride. We are demand double for what Satan has tried to steal from us. You know, this week, it was really, it was really awesome. On Thursday, I had the opportunity to be with an 83-year-old man that, that acts like he's 22. His name's Jerry Dickerber. And Jerry and Sonia Dickerber used to run Celebrate, they'd still until January 1st, that run Celebrate of Haiti, and I, I know him quite well, and we're, we're actually helping oversee that work now. But Jerry told me a story that on November 22nd this year, he sold a car, one of his cars. It was a Mercedes. It wasn't like a real new Mercedes, but it was worth quite a bit of money. And a man came from um, wherever he, he, Jerry got the connection and gave him a cashier's check. So cashier's checks are really good, right? That's what you get. If you're going to sell something, you're going to get a cashier's check. He took it to the bank. And the lady at the bank says, this is no good. He said, what are you talking about? Cashier's checks are definitely good. And she goes, not anymore. They can be forged very easily nowadays. He lost his car. He lost the money. He lost everything. And Jerry's response was this. I go, Jerry, what did you do? And he goes, God gave it to me one time. He'll give it to me again, I guess. But I don't worry about that. I just want to love God. I just, he'll take care of me. I want to show you a picture. If you'll put that picture up, Deacon. This is Jerry Dickerber going like this. On December 25th this year, his daughter-in-law, his son-in-law, and their grandkids gave him this brand new Toyota pickup truck. And he drove it home on December 26th. 
and I saw him on December 27th. God restored to him double. And Jerry said this. He goes, God, you know, the Mercedes was gone. Devil thought he got it, but I got back double. And I grabbed him. I go, what did you say? And he goes, I got back double. I go, go stand in front of your truck. I want a picture to show the church. He's the payback double of what he stole. Do you guys not understand that? That no longer do we have to beg like a beggar, but we come boldly before the throne and say, Father, it's me. This is what I need. And we turn around and we say to Satan, we say, get out of my face. You're no longer to be around anymore. We come boldly before the throne. In Joel, it says this, in Joel 2, 23 to 25, it says, Be glad, O people of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he has given you the autumn rains in righteousness. He sends you abundant showers, both autumn and spring rains as before. The threshing floors will be filled with grain. The vats will overflow with new wine and oil. And I will repay you for the years the locusts have eaten, the great locusts and the young locusts and the other locusts and all the locusts and the locust swarms. I'm going to pay you back for everything that they've done. See, the locust comes in at that time and it would eat off all the greenery. Well, they couldn't make their sacrifices at that time. And he says, don't worry about it. I'm going to pay you back for what they stole. And your vats will brim over with new wine. He's paying them back double. If your vat is brimming over with new wine, you've got more than enough. God says that he's gonna re, we will get repayment for everything that was done to us. And I asked him how. I said, but God, how? How are we going to get that? And he says, well, look at my word. And in Matthew 12, 29, it says, How can one enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man? Then indeed he may plunder his house. Do you understand? Jesus bound the strong man. He bound the strong man. He's bound. He has no authority and no right over you. I am in the kingdom of God. I am not in the kingdom of this world. He is the kingdom of this world, but I am the kingdom of God. And the Bible says that wherever my foot treads, the kingdom of God goes. Whatever I speak into is where the kingdom of God is. So no longer am I to worry about what the devil's doing. I don't give a rip. I am now worried about what God wants me to do. And I'm going to move forward in the things of God. It says this in Matthew 16, 19, it says, I will give you the king to Peter. It says, I'm going to give you the kingdoms. I'm going to give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. We're supposed to bind Satan on earth and say, get out of my face, get out of my house, get out of my place, get out of my life, get out of my marriage, get out of all this. I bind you in the name of Jesus. This last week was really hard for Laura and I. It was really hard. He was putting some major lies in my eye, in, in, my, in my ears. Yesterday we sat for four hours and had, a, had to have a good discussion. Mind you, it was very quiet. We talked very kind to each other. <laughs> but you deal with things, and you deal with them on a spiritual level when they're happening in the physical. You don't do, you don't, you don't do with your eyes. You don't look at it with your eyes. You look at it in the spiritual realm and say, what the heck are you trying to do in my life? You have no place in my life. We need to begin binding Satan. By the authority of Jesus. I love what, um, who is the gentleman from Chicago that came in? Robbie Dawkins. Robbie Dawkins says that the way he took his city is this, is when there was a murder on the street, he'd go and he'd demand, he'd go for seven souls. He goes, you took one and I demand seven from you, so I'm going to stand on this corner until we see seven people give their life to Christ. That's how we get restitution. I'm going to tell you a very private story. I don't know that my mom and dad know this, but they're here today, so they're going to know. <laughs> when I was 18 or 19 years old, probably well, before that, up to 18 or 19 years old, I, I was a naughty kid. Um, to, <laughs> my dad just laughs. I'm using a very kind word for that. But I did not have a good relationship with my mom and dad. Not, not really a good one. Every time my dad asked me for breakfast, I knew I was in trouble. Oh, I knew I was in trouble. I was just like, oh, what I do now? Probably every time I saw my dad, I knew I was in trouble, because what I do now? Not because of him, but because of me. And uh, 
I went to work for my dad in 1989, on May 23rd, 1989. I was 17 years old. And uh, I drove all over the country selling dog shampoo out of the back of a car and a van that we had at the time, not a van down by the river. And uh, on that, uh, in, in, in 1990, I was 18 or 19 years old, and I was driving uh, in Connecticut. We didn't have money to sleep in a hotel, so I slept in the van. You get one hotel a week. We had $350 for the whole week. But that night on, at uh, rest area 10, on the I-95 coming out of New York into Connecticut, I was going to spend the night there. And it was about 9 o'clock at night, and the rain was pouring as hard as it could. And I climbed in the back to go to sleep, put out my sleeping bag, and I laid on my back. And the Holy Spirit came upon me. And I begged him for forgiveness for the way I treated my mom and dad. And I begged him to forgive my mom and dad for wrongs that maybe they have done to me. And I said, could you please make this relationship right? I really want a relationship with my mom and dad. And when I got home, my dad invited me to breakfast. and It was the best breakfast I ever had. And ever since that time, whenever he invites me to breakfast, I, I, I'd love to go. I love to be with my dad. Talk about my father in heaven, too. I love being with my dad. I love prayer. I love being in time with God. I want to ask you a question. If you want change and restitution in your life, you must be the first to forgive others. If you want restitution in your life, you must be the first to forgive yourself. That's what you say. You have to forgive yourself first. Job had to do this. We read of the story of Job. Job was, I believe, if, I, if I'm correct, Job was closer to the beginning of time than where they place him in the Bible. But Job was a man that walked with God and knew God well. And one day Satan asked, I've been, pure, I've been walking all over the earth, and God said, have you considered my servant Job? And he said, yeah. And long story short, Satan killed off everything he had. Killed his family, killed off thousands of donkeys and cattle and sheep and all the other stuff that Job had. Destroyed his home, took everything from him. Job got on his knees and worshipped God. And for the next 36 chapters, it tells us that three of his best friends, his best friends, tried to get him to curse God. But then God spoke and he says, where were you when I created all this? Who is it that the, the, the pot would talk to the potter? and say, why do you do this? And he tells Job who he is. And Job says, I'm sorry. And I worship you. And in chapter 42, verse 10, God asks Job to pray for his friends. He says, I'm, I'm going to condemn you unless Job prays for you. And Job prayed for his friends. And in, in verse 10, it says that he was repaid twice what was taken from him. You know, he had, I believe it was three daughters at that time. They were the most beautiful daughters in all the earth. I have two daughters that are the most beautiful daughters in all the earth. I really believe that. But they were the most beautiful. And he had twice as much. I actually did the math. I looked to the front of Job and I looked to the back. I go, really? Really? Yeah. He got paid back double. God gave restitution for what was stolen from him. Do you know that it was stolen in a whirlwind? And how did God speak to Job in a whirlwind? In his weakness that was taken from him, God spoke to him. The purpose of every believer is restoration and demanding restitution. See, we don't just go from mourning to, okay, we go from mourning to gladness. We go from sorrow to joy. We don't just not sorrow, we go to joy. We get from a lie to the truth, from bondage to victory from shame to honor, from slaves to sin to being called sons and daughters of the Most High. From suffering, we get hope. Romans 5, verse 3 to 5 says that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, character, hope, and hope does not disappoint us. How do we get hope out of suffering? Because every time now we approach more suffering, we say we have more hope. Because he saved us last time. Oh, 
So maybe it's the word of our testimony. Maybe it's the blood of the lamb. The purpose of every believer is restoration and restitution. God has put the power back in our hands. Do you understand that? We have it through the Holy Spirit. We no longer have to pray just for help, but we get to declare victory in the name of Jesus. The church is to go on the offensive from now on. No longer will we be sitting on the defensive, hoping to get out of this place, but we're going to bring back our king, and we're going to restore everything as, though it, as, as it once was, and better. It'll be a new Jerusalem, God says. I want to conclude with three questions. Where did Jesus judge Satan? Where did he judge him? At the cross. At the cross, he judged Satan. And if he judged Satan at the cross, then he stripped all his powers away. So if now he has no power over you, that must mean we have power over him. It says, by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony is how we overcome. The Holy Spirit was given to us so that we can deal with Satan from an authority stance, not from a begging stance, begging him to go, begging for our kids to get better, begging cancer to go away. No, you have no authority anymore over my life with cancer. I don't care what I see in my life with my natural eyes. In the spirit, I demand you gone because you're putting an affliction on me that was not there at the beginning. And, no, and I am in this new kingdom. And so therefore, because I'm in a new kingdom, you can't touch my physical body either. And I'm declaring that in the name of Jesus. And I will stand here until I see it with my physical eyes. And I will stay in this place until I see it with my physical eyes. Number two, why did Jesus come to the earth, according to John the Baptist? He came for this reason, that we would receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit in fire. Do you know John the Baptist said, I'm baptizing you with water, but one's going to come after me that's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Why did John skip over everything else? He skipped over the raising of Lazarus, feeding the 5,000. Everything that Jesus did, he skipped over the cross and he went straight to the Holy Spirit because that was the purpose. The cross is our redeeming opportunity to get the relationship with the Father, but we need to understand that the Father gives us all authority through the Holy Spirit, that when we call on him, he's our comforter. He came to Peter in the other heart and 19, up in the upper room. Luke 3.16 says this, John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come. I can't even wear his sandals. All authority and power was given to him at that time. Third question, so why did he give us the Holy Spirit? Well, we go back to Matthew 16, 18, and 19, because he's going to build a new church. As Ern Baxter would once say, I love Ern Baxter, as Ern Baxter would once say, and if you ever get an opportunity, look him up. He's a great preacher. He was an awesome man up to 1993 when I think he passed away. But he says that Moses has his church, but they couldn't go into the land. But Jesus has a new church, and he's going to build a new church and the gates of Hades cannot overcome it. And I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. I know I've already read that. But do you understand, as Ern Baxter would say, gates never attack. But we can unloose those gates now that we got the keys. See, he's holding you in cancer. But now you get to go up to him and say, I have a key called freedom from cancer. See, you get to walk over here and say, well, you took my kid. But see, I get to open that gate and allow my kid to come back in. Amen. So you get to walk over here and say, well, you stole a vehicle from me. And see, I got a key to open the gate. You can no longer, hell cannot hold that back anymore. You get to open the gates of hell. They no longer are to hold us back. Ern Baxter, one of my last things, Ern Baxter says this. He says, we, the church, have been on the defensive for way too long. We boast God won't let the devil get at us. He'll protect us. That's not the issue. The issue is for me to get at the devil. And I thought it was so brilliant what Holly brought and all the words that were brought today. It is time for the church to rise and take back what is rightfully ours. And it's called this earth. And we're to bring back the heaven on earth. See, I do not want to be caught 
at a stop at a bus stop waiting for the return of my king to be taken out of here. I want to return it to a perfectness for my king to come back and say, I love what you've done. What you've done. You're a beautiful bride. Because that's what the Bible says. And I know that touches on a little bit of eschatology here, but that's okay. That's what I believe. I believe that we win. I want to spike the ball in the devil's face. You know, we get past this point now in football and stuff like that where you can't touch the quarterback and you can't spike the ball in that. I'm spiking it in his face now. <laughs> we win. The Bible says we win. In, in Revelation 21, it says it's done. It's finished. It's here. All we have to do is declare victory and take what he's given us. Would you stand, please? If you just close your eyes a minute, that'd be great. I believe in 2019, God is going to bring restoration to relationships and situations that Satan's held on for way too long. He's held on to him way too long. He thinks he's got us, but he doesn't. But before you can get to that point, you actually need to know this Jesus. You really got to get to know him. You got to get to know the Father as I know the Father. And I just want to ask today, if there's anybody here that would say, man, I want to know what this guy talked about today. I've never heard Jesus talked about like that. I've never heard about that power. Just put your hand in the air. I'm given an opportunity. It says in the Bible that we all get an opportunity for this sometime in our life. And you can either accept or reject. You get a choice. And I'm giving you an opportunity to accept him today. I'm not going to do anything except for ask you to put your hand in the air. And then you can just pop it right down just so that I know. And if nobody puts their hand in the air, that's okay with me. Because that means we're all right with God. One last chance. All right. Second thing is this. If you just put your hands out, you can put them in the air. You can put them in front of you, whatever. I'm going to declare victory this year in 2019 for us. And Dana, I'd like you to come up right after this. I just want you to say prophetically who they are in Christ, which you read earlier, if you would. God, we love you. We really, really love you. God, thank you for transforming our minds. Thank you for giving us new revelation of you today. Holy Spirit, thank you that you're on the prowl and on the move. You're devouring our enemy right in front of us. That we get to follow you as you devour him. No more sickness, no more death, no more disease. No more lies, no more stealing. No more anything. This year in 2019, we declare victory in the name of Jesus. We declare victory over friends that we've had that have been lied to, that have been hurt by the church, that have been mistreated. No longer, no more will you lie to them and say that God is not a lovable God. No longer. We declare victory in restitution this year for our children that have walked away. We say no longer will you have a hold on our children. No longer do you have thought in their mind we bind you in the name of Jesus that you no longer will speak lies to their mind. No longer will you put a desire that is not righteous on their heart or their eyes. We declare protection of their eyes and protection of their ears. Protection of what they see and protection of what they hear. Protection of what they think. Protection of what they think about themselves. We declare them coming back to you, God. Lord, we see an outpouring of the Holy Spirit like we've never seen in 2019. Amen. Lord, we declare that on our city this year. Amen. That churches will rise up in all their splendor yes. of who they really are. Amen. Lord, we declare this in the name of Jesus. By the authority of Jesus, by the blood of the Lamb that was shed, and by the word of our testimony, the testimony of what you've done in our lives. Lord, we declare victory yes. in the name of Jesus yes over everything that we walk through or touch this year. That no longer can the thief come to steal, kill, and destroy because he can't touch the kingdom of God. No longer can he touch us. And Satan was speaking to you directly. You have no right and no hold here anymore in this place. Yeah.
on any of these people with your sickness, your disease, your lies, whatever, no more. In the name of Jesus. Not by Derek, but by the name of Jesus. Amen. Dana, if you just read that prophetically over the people. So we accept that I am who you say I am, Father, and this is what you say. You say, I am a child of God. You say, I am a friend of Jesus. I have been justified and redeemed. I am no longer a slave to sin. I will not be condemned by God. I've been set free from the law of sin and death. I am a fellow heir with Christ. I have been called to be a saint. I have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption in Christ Jesus. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. I am joined to the Lord and I'm in one spirit with him. I am a new creature in Christ. I have become the righteousness of God in Christ. I have been made one with all who are in Christ Jesus. I am no longer a slave, but a child and an heir. I have been set free in Christ. I have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I am chosen, holy, and blameless before God. I am redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ. I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. I have been made alive with Christ. I am seated in the heavenly places with Christ. I have been brought near to God. I am a member of Christ's body and a partaker of his promise. I have boldness and confident access to God through faith in Christ. I am a citizen of heaven. The peace of God guards my heart and mind. I have been made complete in Christ. God supplies all my needs. God loves me and has chosen me. Amen. Father, we bind those words on earth, on our hearts. Lord, of who you say we are. We will no longer listen to the lie of Satan. We will no longer listen to who he says we are but we will now listen to who you say we are. Father, we thank you for this word. Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for blessing this church. Lord, we, pray, we thank you for all that you're doing. And we thank you that you're going to transform this city quickly and rapidly for your kingdom. Lord, we thank you. And we just want to say we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer, specific prayer, please come forward. We have a prayer team that would like to pray for you. Otherwise, Happy New Year. Go out and have fun.